Well, if we notice here, there are two terms, two titles for our Lord that are spoken about in our gospel. Jesus, when speaking of himself, uses the term son of man. Now, actually, in the gospels, that's Jesus' most uh, prevalent, um, uh, numerically at least, prevalent self-reference. So he calls himself the son of man uh, a lot. It's his favorite title for himself, essentially. But then we have the voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved son, implication being that he's the son of God as well. So you've got son of God and son of man. Uh, the revelation of Christ as son of God is a revelation of his divinity. And this is what we're seeing here on the Mount of Transfiguration, is a revelation of the truth that Jesus is God, is fully God. And... Uh, one of the, there's a lot of ways that this is kind of conveyed to us, but one of the ways, I think the way to me that's kind of most convincing is the fact that it's Moses and Elijah who are present with him, talking to him, and that it takes place on a mountain. Because in the Old Testament, uh, Moses goes up a mountain, it's a very important passage in the Jewish religion, a very important passage in the book of Exodus. Moses goes up Mount Sinai, and at some point God is going to reveal to him his full glory. And but he says something interesting. He says I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cover you with my hand and I'm going to cause my glory to pass by you and then as I pass by you I'll take my hand off the clefts so that you see my back because my face you cannot see. And uh, Moses throughout that whole discourse and then in other passages of Exodus asks to see God's face quite frequently. So Moses longed to see God's face, but God never allowed him to see his face. And here's Moses now on another mountain, beholding the face of Jesus. Implication being that Moses' original desire is now fulfilled in Christ. He's seen the face of God. In seeing the face of Jesus, he sees the face of God. Also with Elijah. Elijah at some point, he's got, you know, he's kind of like going through a midlife crisis and he has a little bit of soul-searching uh, episode that goes on and he, he, he departs from the Holy Land and he goes back to Sinai. Okay, so Elijah is kind of going back to his roots. This is hundreds of years after Moses, you know, but, but Elijah is trying to carry on the law of Moses. He's trying to preach it. He's trying to enforce it. The Israelites are not listening to him. And so he's going to take a little retreat and, and see if he can kind of come to himself and, uh, get some renewed energy to carry on with his ministry. So he goes to Mount Sinai to the exact same place that Moses went to. And God has this wonderful manifestation, the earthquake and the wind and the fire and all of that kind of stuff. We remember the story from the book of Kings. And uh, Elijah goes out and uh, he covers his eyes and his face when God appears to him after the wind and the fire and the earthquake and all of that. The implication being that he never really sees God. He just hears his voice. Okay, So that God reveals himself to Elijah in that still, small voice. So there's never a full revelation of God's face. But again, that is fulfilled, though, on Mount Tabor, when Elijah is now seeing the face of Christ. So we have this revelation of the, of the full divinity of Christ. Christ is God. In seeing him, you have seen the Father. But also, not only is 
there a revelation of Jesus' divinity. There's also a revelation of his humanity. And that's actually really, really important. Okay, It's just as important that we are uh, treated to a revelation of his humanity as well as his divinity. Why? Someone might say, well, why do you need to be... Why does humanity need to be revealed to us? Like, what do you mean? We, we see Jesus walking around. He's obviously a human being, and that doesn't need to be revealed. Ah, it does need to be revealed. It does need to be revealed. Because we think we know what human beings are, but we don't. We don't. Because we don't see them as God intended them to be. We see them after the entrance of sin into the world. We see human beings after the fall. That's not true humanity the way that it was originally intended to be. That is humanity corrupted and fallen. And so our whole lives really, in a certain sense, are a process as Christians of getting to know ourselves as human beings and getting to know others as human beings as to what true, what humanity truly is. And the revelation of humanity is found in its fullness in Christ. Okay, very important passage from the Second Vatican Council that John Paul II would always quote, and he's talking about how, I can't remember what document it is, it's in, but it says, in Christ revealing to us, uh, in God revealing to us his Son, he revealed to us not only um, himself, God, but he also revealed to us ourselves. He revealed to us what human nature is supposed to be. And uh, this is really clear in the book of Daniel, okay, our first reading. In the book of Daniel, we see this vision of the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. And uh, it's really uh, important to place this in its context, because before this coming of one like the Son of Man, Daniel has a vision of all these animals. Okay, He sees a lion, he sees a leopard, he sees a bear, and these are these nasty animals with claws and fangs. Okay? And they actually represent the kingdoms of man on the earth. Okay? See, man's dominion on the earth has been corrupted because of sin, and we've been debased and turned into like bears and lions and tigers and whatnot. Okay? Oh my! Sounds like the. Okay. We're, we don't see humans as they're supposed to be. We've been turned into animals, essentially. Okay? And again, there's another passage in the book of Daniel where King Nebuchadnezzar, who's full of himself, is punished by God and he's given the mind of a beast and he grows long hair and claws and he eats grass and <laughs> he basically goes crazy and loses his mind, okay, for a little bit of time. And then God restores him, his humanity back to him. So he loses his reason and he's debased. But that's really just symptomatic of a larger problem that human beings have to deal with. Okay, we're not. We don't live according to reason after the fall. We don't live according to our rational nature as human beings after the fall. We live according to our passions, like wild animals, and we are debased. But Jesus Christ comes to us, and He reveals to us His divinity. But He reveals to us what human beings are supposed to be like, with reason and our lower faculties in perfect harmony with each other without you know the passions of anger and, and all the other vices of lust and envy and pride and vanity and covetousness and greed and everything else that's what human beings are supposed to be 
And so this is what the revelation at Mount Tabor is about. As well as the, the divine nature of Christ, it's also what humanity is supposed to be. It's he, Jesus' humanity. Jesus is the Son of Man who comes. And so in that book of Daniel, you see all of these kingdoms come, and then finally one like the Son of Man comes, and he's the one that receives authority from the Ancient of Days. He's the one that is worthy to reign and to rule. And so it's the kingdom of God ruled and headed by the one like the Son of Man, the one who's who's truly what human beings should be uh, that is that is taught us and revealed to us in the book of Daniel. This is what the kingdom of God is, and this is what the gospel is all about. It's about the restoration of humanity that takes place by God's grace through an interior transformation, and that, that can only take place through prayer and through reception of the sacraments. So today, as we receive Holy Communion, let us be mindful of humanity as God intended it to be, as we see in Jesus on Mount Tabor. And let's ask God for that grace of true conversion, which is really restoration of our true humanity as it was intended to be from the beginning.